So you really get his point of view. And that's something that he's sharing with you. It's like a secret. In 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums, we're delving into the collections to discover objects that can tell us stories about the past and make us think about the present and future. I'm Rachel Roberts, Collections Registrar at Lancaster City Museums. In this episode, we're going to be looking at a familiar scene from the village of Ray. It's a painting that captures a peaceful day by the river around the 1930s. The exact view may have changed a little since then, but it still exudes the beauty of the area. Today's object is Nia Ray by Hurst Barnford. The painting is medium-sized, being about 55 centimetres by 50 centimetres. It shows quite a close-up view of one of the rivers or streams which flow near the village. The water is flanked by sandbanks and small bushes and trees, and beyond can be seen a wooded hillside sloping out of view. The water looks fairly shallow and is babbling and swirling around unseen rocks below. At the bottom right corner, the artist has signed his name in capital letters. We spoke to Anne-Marie Michel, an art journalist who lives in the area, to find out a bit more about the artist who painted the view. But first, she explained to us why she chose this particular painting. <laughs> well, I do like the painting, but to be honest, I must say it was simply the title, Near Ray. I happen to live in Ray, and I can tell you that Ray is an extremely small Loon Valley village. It's basically two streets. It is not the kind of place you expect to find in a museum. It's a, a very pretty little place, but I would have assumed only known to the locals. And when I saw that there was actually an artist who had gone and painted it, I thought, well, I have to have a look and see if maybe I can recognize it or if I can find out anything about it. I just wanted to kind of preface this by saying, to me, this is one of the joys of a small museum. When you go to a small museum, you're not really generally going to see the big blockbuster names. It's kind of, you know, whatever the local worthies have gifted to the collection, that's what you're going to find. And so very often, it's artists you never heard of. I never heard of Hurst Bomford, uh, but I really like him. So it was a pleasure to try and look into him a little bit and find out more about him. It's like a lucky dip. And I think I got lucky. I can tell you that he's an artist of the Northwest. He was born in Huddersfield. If I look for his dates, uh, it is 1871 to 1950, but I didn't know that. When you look at this painting, which as I say is circa 1930, then I think I could have made an educated guess because it looks, it looks the part. But he was born in Huddersfield. He trained as an architect and became a painter later and is known, if he's known, for being a painter of portraits and landscapes. He spent some time in Cornwall, which I thought was interesting. He was in St. Ives before what we think of as the St. Ives School of Painting. And he was the headmaster of the Morecambe School of Art, which no longer exists, but it did when he came back to Lancaster in the 20s to take up that position. And he stayed in the area after, I guess, his time there was over. He moved on to Blackpool. So he stayed in the Northwest until his death. Although we know from the title that the scene shown is near the village of Ray, sadly, Barnford didn't leave notes of exactly which river it depicts. We asked Anne-Marie for her opinion on which it was, what other artists have painted local rivers, and whether she thought this was successful in capturing the feeling of the area. I'm pretty sure that it shows the Roeburn. 
But in Ray, we have, uh, we're blessed with quite a few rivers in Ray and near Ray. So we have the Roeburn, we have the Hindburn, and of course we have the River Loon, which is much more well known. And it's one of those things where it's difficult to say what artists have painted uh, what I like to think of as my river, because I didn't know her Spawnford had painted it until I saw it. However, the loon is considerably more well-known because that was painted by no less an artist than Turner. If you go to Kirby Lonsdale, which is just a few villages down the road from Ray, then you will see what should be called Turner's View and what is actually called Ruskin's View, uh, which Turner did paint. So I, I think that we can say that artists have been interested in the area. It's extremely scenic, but I am certain that this is the Roeburn we're talking about and not the Loon. I think it's fantastically successful because uh, I stopped when I saw it and immediately felt that I recognized it. And this is as a foreigner. I mean, I only moved to Britain in 2005, and I am a city person. I never lived in a rural environment before. I was completely unaccustomed to this kind of landscape, so I do not know every little, you know, field and, and, and hill in the area, but I felt that this is familiar right away. It captures the way it feels when you're there. And I realized that if I recognize it, then the people who are local, who've been there all their lives, whose families have been there since generations, they're definitely going to know where this is. But whether you know where it is or whether you don't makes no difference to your enjoyment of the picture. It's just a, a really idyllic scene, and that is down to the way he painted it, really. It's the skill of the artist showing that not only makes you recognize it, but makes you feel that even if you don't quite know it, you'd like to know it. And the thing that strikes me, this is one mood of the river. But of course, everyone who lives in that area knows all too well that the river can change because Ray famously had a horrific flood in 1967. So much rain fell in 20 minutes that it practically destroyed the village. It removed trees. They all clogged up under the bridges, swept the bridges away, burst the banks, destroyed the village. Amazingly, no one died. But it's the very first thing that people will tell you if you happen to go to Ray. Someone will immediately say to you, you know about the flood. And Hearst Bomford didn't because it hadn't happened yet. That's what makes identifying that particular stretch of the river so difficult because things changed. Trees were removed. What's left are those distinctive zigzag hillsides that he paints in. Rocks moved. They built a weir to slow the river down. All the people that know that area will be looking at it and trying to place it but it's, it's not the easiest task. But what is the history of artists painting landscapes, and why do we like them so much? Well, I think landscapes kind of developed over a long period of time. Earlier, art was simply religious, for the reason that the church, whatever church it might be, was the only institution with the money to commission a steady stream of painting. But after the Reformation, then obviously religious painting was of less interest and things changed gradually and you get into the romantic period when landscape becomes very important. For various reasons, the landscape is being used in different lights, in different moods. So you have awe-inspiring landscapes that are supposed to make you feel small and, and make you think about the power of nature, which in a way is a replacement for the power of God. Then you have the more pastoral kind of gentle scenes, which are more an appreciation of nature. And that's something that certainly people still appreciate today. 
landscape kind of came into its own in the 18th century because of the death of religious painting. And then the popularity continues just because it serves some kind of basic human emotional need. And in the case of the development in the 18th century, the Romantics and all of that, you then have it shading into the early 19th century and you get the Napoleonic Wars and you get artists not traveling as much because it's a more dangerous thing to undertake a journey to Europe. So you, you have all of these influences coming together to make people appreciate their own backyard a little bit more. And I think that's a British quality anyway. I mean, as an outsider, I'm an American. And I, I really think people here have a strong connection to the landscape, maybe because it's an island, maybe because it's all they've got. But you see how many more people are out in the outdoors, they're hiking, they're fell walking, they're climbing what mountains there are. And there's even even just walking your dog, a domestic kind of uh, experience. People like to be in the outdoors. So I think there are a lot of reasons, but it's it's just an enduring quality of the people and the land that people appreciate their surroundings. Obviously, during the pandemic, we really saw that, how much people need to connect to the outdoors. We asked Anne-Marie if this painting was typical of the era and the rest of Barnford's work. I think it is. If 1930 is a correct date, then we're talking about an interesting time in painting, which is sort of between Impressionism, it's post-Impressionist, and what will become Expressionist. And it's right at the Art Deco era, which of course has a lot to do with geometry. And I think you see that in the picture. It's very geometric. It's really reliant on almost abstract shapes. So it's it's depicting a realistic scene. It's the river and the hills and the trees and the rocks and all those things that you would recognize, but it's taking them and making them into their simplest forms. And this really caught my eye because of the St. Ives School of Art. Then you think about artists like Ben Nicholson and Barbara Hepworth, and you think about taking an idea and reducing it to the simplest abstract forms, geometric forms. In this case, it's well before that time, so you can say that Hurst Balmford is a bit ahead of his time. You can also say he is of his time because Deco is concerned with geometry. And if you look at another painting that he made, which is sadly, I don't think, in your collection, he made a painting of Devil's Bridge, Kirby Lonsdale. And it's the way he's painted the rocks under the bridge is both realistic and quite abstract. It's quite geometric. It reminds you of those wonderful Art Deco railway posters. That is very much of its times. The colors are that bright, happy holiday color, which I at least associate with the 1930s because I associate that with the more carefree time between the wars. I think it is both of its time and looking back a little bit, looking at post-impressionist landscapes, you might have seen the early landscapes of Van Gogh. And he's got that same kind of quality where he'll draw the shape of a rock, a kind of an oval or rounded shape. And then around it, he's made these sort of black lines that almost look like the lines of motion. And that's something that you see in Hurst Balmford landscape. So he may well have seen these kind of things. He trained in Paris. It's perfectly possible that he was aware of these other artists and had seen their work. And he's incorporating all of that into his own take 
on things. I looked at as many paintings of her Spomfras as I could find. There aren't that many. There's one in the collection of the Manchester Art Gallery, which is St. Ives. It's boats at St. Ives. Weirdly, this one is, I would say, brighter, happier, sunnier, more of a holiday look. And I always thought that Cornwall was supposed to be the holiday location, not not the northwest of England. So I was surprised by that, but pleased because he he's clearly painted this particular moment in a better period of weather. And you can tell that because, well, not only are the colors bright, the green is very intense and all of that, but you get these sort of lighter areas of sand on the banks of the river. It shows that it's drying up. The river is very changeable. You get... Uh, periods where you can't see the rocks at all. It's under the water and the water is very fast moving and you get other periods where there's almost no water. It's a trickle and you see the play of the rocks and the moss on the rocks and the sandy banks and it's a whole different world. And so I think he's definitely chosen a sunny, happy time to paint it because that's how it makes him feel. But you can look at other paintings of his that were done in Cornwall, other locations, and he he definitely has a feel for that kind of landscape, that kind of contentment that you get, the feeling of the sun on the rocks. You almost feel the ripples of the heat, which is not something you experience all that often in the north of England, but it is possible, and he's captured it for us. To finish, Anne-Marie explained what this painting tells us about the Lancaster area at the time and the feeling that Barnford can give us about it. At that time, the landscape is starting to change. All the way back in the late 19th century, but the beginning of the 20th century, things are more industrialized. You're losing bits of the landscape, and that's something that people want to hold on to. They're aware of it, and they know that it's a, it's a kind of a heritage that cannot just be lightly discarded. So these things are important. And I think that the local families, the, the more wealthy families of Lancaster, may have made their money through industrialization and may have suffered some kind of lingering guilt about that. So that may explain why there are a lot of landscapes, there are a lot of views of Lancaster and the surroundings in the collection of the museum, because they wanted to make sure that that was appreciated and preserved. So when you go to Lancaster and you see these things, it's inspiring because you're in the city, so you've got the best of the town life, but you know that you can take a very short trip just a few miles down the road and be in a completely different environment. When Turner painted the landscape, he included figures. Hearst Bomford does not. There is not a habitation. There's no house. There's no sign of a human being. There's no animal. You are completely alone in this natural world, and you're inhabiting the position he was. So you really get his point of view. And that's something that he's sharing with you. It's like a secret. It's like, you know, this is my special spot. What do you think? I, I think that's a gift and, and really a wonderful gift. Thank you for spending this time with us on 100 Years, 100 Objects. Please join us again for more episodes where we will be diving into objects from Neolithic animals to newspapers 